Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio. Uh, Tonight's uh, contribution and study is about detoxification, detoxification. And so uh, the title of this show is Detoxification Protocol for Purging Malignant Darkness. Detoxification Protocol for Purging Malignant Darkness. Now, uh, before we begin our study, let us have a word of prayer. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we do thank you for this opportunity to meet with your people. We ask to be guided by the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the Scriptures, Lord, and we do thank you that we still have the Word of God at our disposal. And... We pray that the Holy Spirit will enlighten our hearts, and we know that we can understand the Scripture, Lord, if we have confessed our sins. We know that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we ask to be guided by your Spirit, Lord, the author of the Scriptures and the one who provides enlightenment so that we can appreciate your word and live according to the truth in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, at the top of the show, uh, I want to talk to you about this book called the, it is entitled The Detox Solution. The Detox Solution. And the subtitle is The Missing Link to Radiant Health, Abundant Energy, Ideal Weight, and Peace of Mind. Now, and this, the author of this book is Dr. Patricia Fitz, uh, Fitzgerald. Patricia Fitzgerald. And so I wanted to uh, speak to you about this book because the it is the, it is a very in depth study. Uh, Dr. Uh, Fitzgerald is a uh, she is a uh, uh, she's a, a certified clinical nutritionist, and so uh, this uh, she is very able uh, to write this book. And so she says some very powerful things uh, for for us as believers. And this show is, is directed to, or our target uh, audience is the spiritual community. And that is community of faith, the, the community of God. And so the, the chapter one of her book is entitled, The Decision to Detoxify, Essential in the New Millennium, The Decision to Detoxify. Um, so I want uh, in this study to address uh, 
this reality uh, for believers, for, for the believing community. There must be a decision to detoxify. Uh, it is an illusion to believe that one can serve two masters, that one can say with the lips, uh, I love the Lord, I serve Jesus, Jesus is my, is my Savior, but in practice, or practice as it is said sometimes, uh, the life denies what the lips have said. And so James writes that uh, this person is unstable. Uh, James calls this type of person a two-souled man. The two-souled man, James states, is unstable in all his ways. Jesus said, no man can serve or no one can serve two masters. So uh, we, the, the cosmic system, that is this version of the cosmic system, is eroding. It is falling apart uh, before our very eyes. The economic system is crashing. Uh, I don't know if you pay any attention to the stock market or to the the other markets, but uh, the the system is crashing. The dollar is crashing. If you understand that what happens in the stock market is not an indication of the economy, it is not. When you go to buy gas, when you go to buy groceries, uh, you will know that we are in uh, a, a very difficult time. Uh, inflation. Uh, please understand that inflation is a tax. Uh, the government uh, prints more and more uh, paper that uh, is some totally worthless because it is backed by nothing. And one podcaster whom I listen to uh, quotes a book that calls the fiat uh, currency, uh, I owe you nothing. And if you just go back briefly in history, you will remember when Richard Nixon, Richard Milhouse Nixon, took the country off the gold standard uh, due to, as he called it, speculations in the market. But he assured the nation that uh, the economy would uh, continue to go well. And uh, then uh, uh, they introduced the, uh, the, the oil-backed uh, currency through Henry Kissinger and his relationship uh, with the Saudis. And so that has come to an end. And other nations around the world are moving away uh, from the oil-based dollar. And so uh, there are other things that have been tied to the dollar that the average citizen uh, does not understand or uh, can appreciate the magnitude of the evil that has been done uh, around the world. Again, I am addressing believers. Uh, and understand that uh, I am uh, talking, I'm going to be speaking about 
spiritual darkness or uh, what the Bible call, the, calls uh, scotos. And or I'm not going to be speaking about scotia tonight, which is also translated darkness. Scotia means uh, relates to the consequences of darkness. Scotos has uh, it's from a Greek word that means to stop, a- and so one cannot move ahead because the darkness has impeded, or one is unable to move about because of uh, the presence of darkness. One cannot move about. And also associated with this word is sin and misery. So, scotus. So, tonight our focus is light therapy. Detoxification uh, or the purging of darkness from the soul of believers through light therapy. Jesus is the light. And so we receive light therapy through our great physician, the Son of God. It is vital that we begin to think about uh, the, the Word of God as we should. That is, and I mean by that, to believe the Word uh, as we intake the word, we're to believe the word, and the word that we believe or the word that we intake and believe by faith uh, becomes usable to us uh, in uh, as we live uh, within the cosmic system. The word that we take in uh, in a mere intellectual uh, manner does not edify and build up the soul. The word that we take in and believe by faith, it is it is uh, it is through faith that we are built up in the faith. It is vitally important that we understand uh, this phenomenon and how it works in our lives. So, the Word of God detoxes us, detoxes our heart. The the uh, there's some very powerful information that I want to relate to you through the Word of God uh, about you know, who we are as believers and how we must then live in uh, in this system. So if you have an opportunity, please pick up this book, The Detox Solution by Patricia Fitzgerald. Now, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to begin at verse 1. And the author, of course, uh, is the Apostle Paul. Quote, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And this is reminiscent both of the book of Exodus and the book of Leviticus. So, in verse 3, but fornication, now, uh, in the Greek, the word but uh, does not uh, 
start the sentence. It reads, fornication. And here are the words idolatry, incest, and uh, adultery. It is the word pornea. Again, this one word encompasses harlotry, incest, and adultery. Now notice, he is, Paul is writing to believers. He is speaking to believers. Fornication and all uncleanness. That is, every type of uncleanness. And so this word is akatharsia, akatharsia, and covetousness, oh, just uh, uh, a desire for more. In the Ten Commandments, uh, the word covetous there means to pant after, to pant after. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Listen to Paul. Listen to Paul. And uh, let me go on. The word saints here means uh, ones who set aside unto God. Verse 4, neither filthiness, neither filthiness. Uh, And it's it's a very, very powerful word. It, it means that which is venal, obscene, and shameful. Neither filthiness, that which is venal, obscene, or shameful, nor foolish talk. Now, long ago, I was I was giving a message on this very chapter, and I got to this very word, astrologia, and I was preaching on this word, and after the um, service, uh, a man came up to me, and he was very upset that I spoke on this uh, this topic, and it means foul speech. It means the ability to extricate oneself from difficult situations with witty and clever words, or ready at repartee. He was so upset with me. And what was really fascinating to me is uh, I'm being rebuked for uh, having the audacity to preach on this subject was that I watch, always watch people's eyes, and I watch the nostrils, and uh, I watch for subtle body, uh, bodily cues uh, when, uh, you know, in the past when I have been rebuked for preaching the word. And he confessed in his anger that this is the way he had lived. And and now you're, you're saying to me, I can't do it anymore. And I had to explain to him that I, I did not say that. I'm preaching the word of God. You see, and purging malignant darkness is really uh, a a mandate for a lot of these individuals who say they they love the Lord, but when it comes to the reality of having a, a clean God uh, godly life, well, 
why did you go there? So it was very interesting. Nor, nor, uh, after foolish talking, there is nor jesting, jesting, which are not convenient, uh, but rather giving of thanks. The Bible moves us from complexity to simplicity. And simplicity does not mean uh, that one is not wise. Simplicity of life, simplicity of heart, means that one is focused on that which is healthful, that which is fulfilling, that which is meaningful. The toxic load that many believers carry uh, is outside of the will of God for their lives. So he goes on, verse 5. For this you know, and notice the language, for this you know, no whoremonger, and that word means to sell. You know what that word means. It's prostitution. No whoremonger. This is an old English word nor unclean person, unclean person. This word here, this word means polluted, polluted. It means all types of idolatrous uh, and ungodly practices. Nor, nor unclean person, nor covetous man. And here it literally means a defrauder. A defrauder, one who is greedy for gain, idolater, have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you. This word here means to cheat or delete or, or to uh, delude you with vain words, empty words, kinos, kinois, vain words, empty words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them. Paul is addressing believers. Now notice, if you turn to the book of Revelation and you, and you read about the letter that was sent to the church at Ephesus, what did Jesus say? That they had lost their first... You see what lack of detox or uh, lack of detoxification produces apathy, spiritual apathy, lack of love for the Lord Jesus himself. If I really love the Lord Jesus, I don't want any pollution to come between he and me or he and I. I don't want that in my life. I don't want my fellowship corrupted. Jesus said, ye and me and I and you. Jesus said, abide in me or be at home in my will. I can't be at home in him. I can't enjoy my fellowship. I can't be nurtured by the Lord if I I have what? if I am taking in or if I am harboring pollution. 
he goes on, verse seven, uh, verse eight. For ye were sometimes darkness, O oh man. Listen to that language. For you were sometimes darkness. Here is sometimes is an adverb, but here he uses the word skotos, and I've given you that word uh, skotos. So you were sometimes darkness, but now. Uh, these are famous uh, Pauline words uh, in his in his writings. But now, Paul talks about he 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 loves dramatic contrast. You were sometimes in the past. You were darkness. You were not lived in the darkness. Paul writes, you were literally literally darkness, literal darkness. But now, light. In the Lord, this word, light, uh, photos, in the Greek, it means light that is never kindled, therefore never quenched. Light that is never kindled, therefore never quenched. He is speaking of Jesus. But now, light in the Lord. You will never read in Paul's writings where there is a modifier that says that we are to reflect the light uh, or light reflectors or reflectors. You will never read that language in, uh, in the Greek. And so now we are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That is, and then he says, and then verse 9, uh, he writes, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And that is reprove with conviction. Look. A long, long, long time ago, a long time ago, I used to read books on apologetics. And it means the defense of the faith. And so these books were written, have, uh, you know, creative, rational discussions with those who oppose the faith. But then, as I grew more up in the faith, I realized, I realized that the answering apologetic in the word of God had nothing to do with providing an answer to unbelievers through rational discursive reasoning. No. In the book of Acts, in Peter, in the writings of Paul, the apologia, the apology had to do with one's witness one's life. That was the determining and answering apologetic in the word of God, one's life. How how one, one's walk. It had nothing to do with winning an intellectual discussion. And if you notice in the public ministry of Jesus, he never sought 
to go out and merely win an intellectual argument or discussion. Neither Paul, neither John, nor James, nor Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, none of the minor prophets, they did not go out and speak uh, the word of God for that reason. No. It was thus saith the Lord. Verse 11, and have no fellowship. Let me read that again. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That is, reprove with conviction. Uh, we are not to be uh, in, in, you know, there are dead works. Hebrews 6.1, Hebrews 9.14. Then there, we're to be dead unto sin as believers. That's Romans 6.11. And then there is dead faith, James 2, verses 16 and 17. The Bible tells believers that they are to do what? We're to mortify. 2 Corinthians 14, uh, the word is necrosis. We're to render dead. Now listen, let me go on before I go into more detail with that last statement. Verse 12. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Man, oh man. Read Romans 1. And there Paul gives a summary discussion of what was going on uh, in Rome during his day. And read 1 Corinthians, and Paul tells you that, hey, there is a man that had his father's wife, and the church there was so weak and ineffective that uh, they did not deal with the sin in their midst. Look, this is how one can tell. Uh, that a church, a local church, a body of believers has been compromised. Uh, it is the tolerance of sin, and they know it is going on. Now, I know in my own area, there was a pastor of this big church carrying on an affair with the secretary of the church, and her husband was one of the elders of the church. And I had another friend in ministry. I found out he was messing around with all these women in the church because we got up to speak. I, I, I could, I could not listen for certain things. And okay, he had these affairs, but then his life began to fall apart. And it's really sad because I, I, I like this man. I like some things about it about him, but then I, I things began to happen for him, and he had to go in. He had to have some surgeries, and you know, they they had to do some intestinal work, and you know, he could barely walk, hardly walk, and then someone in his church 
uh, from uh, a witness rose up amongst his own congregation and said, he's not going to last long now. And this pastor heard that. And I'm going, man, oh, man. Man, oh, man. Why do people play with God? Because if you do, he's going to expose your sin to the brightness of the noonday sun. At some point, you are going to be exposed as God exposed David. God told David, now, David is God's beloved. He is the man after God's own heart. But God told David, the sword will never depart your house. God forgives sin. But then... There is what? There are the consequences of sin. Lord, I did this sin with so-and-so, and no one knew, but I did this sin, and, you know, Lord, I, I confess my sin. I'm never going to do it again. God will forgive your sin, but now you must deal with the consequences of your sin. And the consequences are real. The consequences are, are are existential. They will come out. You just watch uh, what happens. Now, I'm just talking about no verified cases or where sin was involved. And I know in my own life, where I may not have sinned after a similar fashion that someone I know or known in the past, but I know for my own sin how I have been disciplined by God. And let me tell you, from my experience, it is not worth it. Detoxification, spiritual detoxification, can be easy or it can be hard. It is up to us to choose. But if we name the name of Christ, we must depart from iniquity. We must depart from sin. It is even a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Verse 13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Verse 14 is where I want to get get to. Wherefore, he saith, verse 14, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. What is Paul talking about? Remember, chapter 5. Remember, this letter, uh, this is a church at Ephesus. This letter is addressed 
to the body of Christ. Paul discusses what discusses what it means to be in Christ in this powerful letter. In Christ, he first lays the doctrinal foundation of our position, and then Paul moves from the doctrinal foundation of our position in Christ. Then there are there are the ethic there are the ethics that flow from, or that are tied to our doctrinal position in Christ. Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Why would God make such a statement to believers? Look at all the stuff that Paul writes about in verse in verses three and four, three, four, and five. Fornication and uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, jesting, whoremonger, uncleanness, covetousness, idolatry, vain words, keynotes, empty words. Verse six, the children of disobedience. You know, and, and this is really a frightening word. He talks about uh, apostia, that is unbelief. These are the children, uh, verse 6. Uh, these are literally, it, it reads, the sons of apathia, the sons of apathy, or the children of apathy. The language of the New Testament is designed to be inescapable. No excuses, no apologies, no legal arguments, no legal defenses, uh, no philosophical positions, no uh, erudite scholarship can oppose what God has written down. Or can dissuade one what God has said. Light therapy is what? My response to exposure to the truth. Have I crucified the flesh with its affections and lust? What have I put, who have I put, uh, in front of Christ. What fellowship hath light with darkness? Come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord. The sons of apathia, the sons of apathy. So he goes on, verse 15, chapter 5, Ephesians. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, Colossians 4, 5. 
Now, verse 15, see that you walk circumspectly, the adverb of advantage. Here, the word circumspectly means to walk exactly, to walk perfectly. Why do I want, and let me stress something very important here. There is nothing in the New Testament, in the writings of Paul, that says that the believer is to live unto Christ out of human effort. That is impossible. The will of the flesh, the will of the flesh cannot live the way God wants us to live. Galatians 2.20, the flesh must be crucified. There can be a fleshly will to follow in the footsteps of Christ. But the Bible, on the, other, on, on the other hand, states that we're to crucify the flesh. It is essential. At the beginning of this road with Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the road. Uh, at the head of the road, at the beginning, young believers don't understand this. But as one grows up, one sees the necessity of crucifying the flesh. But she is so beautiful. Yes, I know. But he's so handsome. Yes, I know. Or what an opportunity. I I have to take this opportunity because it's not going to come along yet. And if you notice, there are certain opportunities, I'm not saying all, that come into your life after you've decided that I'm going to listen to the Lord, there is that test. And what are you going to do? Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will follow you. What are you going to do? Well, there's this opportunity, and they said that my preaching, my teaching was so impressive. Uh, their people were going to prosper under it, and, uh, you know, we want you to come. But did you ask the Lord? And is this where God wants you placed? Are you going to prosper or one day will you stand in the pulpit as I did and afterward someone come up to you and say, well, we don't like that and you can't preach that again or else we're going to have to look for someone else. There is the cost of discipleship. And we all have to, uh, to decide. Well, the Lord will understand if I reach out and I succumb to the flesh this one one time or these times, and the Lord will understand. And so I can rationalize away, you know, my sinful actions, but they're still sin, and I'm still culpable 
I'm so uh, responsible for my sinful actions because they were willful. They were willful on my part. And I have to deceive myself into believing that uh, God excuses the sin and then I go on and I sin. But if you're a real believer and you get involved in certain sins, let me tell you, your conscience is going to eat you up. And maybe there may be some physiological things going on too. But in order to purge malignant darkness, uh, we're, uh, the light therapy is required. Detoxification is only through confession, uh, through going uh, only to the Lord and having a frank, detailed talk with God, confess, agree with God about the sin, that ancient sin that one is now repented of and the current sin. I know people today who have ancient sins that, that have really harmed their lives uh, because they, they harmed others. They, they have been forgiven, but they are carrying they're, they're, that's not cross-bearing. They are carrying their stuff. You don't want to carry stuff. If you've been called to bear uh, the cross of Christ, it is not it is not willful sin. It is being a witness for Him in this world that is filled with malignant darkness. It is living a life that is righteous. And notice, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. He is talking about believers and who are not living the way they should. Please read John's letter to to the church at Ephesus and what Jesus said to them. God is very serious uh, and God is light. Read about the throne of God, throne room of God. And what it is like, read the, read the revelation. And may God bless you, and may you be built up in the word of God. God is truth. If you live for God, you're going to have a life that's wonderfully satisfying. You will be astonished at what God will do for you. Good evening. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.